And we are back on the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I got my co-host, Matt, here with me as always. A little bit of a double dose of the Oklahoma Drill Podcast for you guys this week as we wrap up the Jets' 2022 preseason and undefeated 2022 preseason at that. After a third straight come-from-behind victory to close out the year, the hero, Chris Trevler, is able to take down the Giants and the Jets end the preseason at 3-0. and Matt, what was your overall takeaways from this game? This is the most we saw the starters play. This was the dress rehearsal, as Robert Sala said, and there was a good bit of ups mixed in with a handful of downs, but I would generally say it was a pretty solid game. Yeah, ups and downs, uh, you could definitely say that. Uh, I thought that the offense was moving the ball well. Uh, especially on that first drive. Of course, it ended mm-hmm. with the, the Carter fumble. Uh, the starting defense, I thought, was pretty much lights out. They were dominating the way you would want to see our starting defense dominate their backups. Um, the offense, yeah, I wish that they looked as dominant, uh, but they seem to just be a little out of rhythm, especially in the run game. Uh, they were letting the defense, uh, Giants backups, backup defensive line kind of push them around and they were getting zero push. Uh, they were having no stick, uh, on those blocks. So it, it was a little worried, worrisome to see that. But at the same time, we also have to factor in, this is probably the first time that all five of our offensive linemen were on the field at the same time in the game situation. So that's going to take some time to gel. Uh, Will it happen? I am confident that it will. Uh, How long it will take to happen is probably what I'm more concerned about because I don't see it happening in the next two weeks before the game. Uh, I just don't think that they're going to be where we want them to be. So that's troublesome for week one and maybe the first couple weeks even. It's just going to take some time, and hopefully uh, they all stay healthy too. Uh, that's another thing because you can only gel if you're on the field. So uh, everybody needs to get healed up if there's any lingering problems uh, and they got to gel. Yeah, absolutely. That is that is the number one focus, I think, of the New York Jets over this next two weeks is do everything you can to get that offensive line in working order. Because as we've seen over these first three games, and it wasn't the starters really in the second game, but we saw them a little bit at the start of the first game. And then again, the end in preseason week three, just earlier today, their offensive line was really struggling with run blocking and more importantly, really struggling getting any sort of movement at the line of scrimmage where they were at best getting stalemates and they weren't giving ground, but they weren't really gaining any ground. And most of the time they were getting driven back into their gaps into the backfield quickly shed. They were finding splits between and the zone run schemes and people were able to backdoor plays and get into the backfield immediately. We've seen linebackers come downhill into wide open lanes and clean up tackles for loss. There's a lot of things that need to be improved. And I would say right now, for me, that's my biggest concern with this team is the starting offensive line. And it's understandable when you've had such little time to play together. You have so many guys switching spots and bouncing from the left side to the right side. In some cases, from the right side to the left side to the right side again. And it's a mess. And so that's that's got to be a focus because the Baltimore Ravens are the last team you want to be playing with you when you have offensive line issues because they will eat you alive and especially with Flacco, who I thought did an okay job of avoiding pressure, getting out on the move a little bit, making some plays with his legs. He's still not going to be much of a running threat and let alone a running threat, a threat with the ability to evade pressure consistently and find plays 
make plays when uh, the script breaks down and get guys open downfield. So this is a concern. That is, uh, without a doubt, I would say, the the biggest problem they have to fix. Well, in the same tone, I would say that maybe I would prefer having Flacco back there with this offensive line kind of uh, figuring things out. Uh, I would be a little worried if we had Zach Wilson with his surgically repaired knee uh, taking snaps behind the line that's still, you know, coming together. It's it's not that's not ideal. But uh, having Flacco back there, who's probably also a lot more seasoned and able to handle that pressure uh, than I think Zach is right now, even though he's not as mobile as Zach by any means. Uh, he's not immobile. He's not like Tom Brady, who's just going to take the sack. Uh, he w- w- is, has the ability to roll out. Uh, but as we saw today, he's not as uh, reliable as Zach is maybe on the run. Uh, he didn't see that defender drop into coverage at all. Uh, uh, that play specifically bothered me uh, on a few different levels. Uh, first with the Flacco misread, but also the wide receivers. It didn't seem like anybody was really running back to Flacco to really give him anything other than... Uh, I, was that the running back he was trying to squirt it at? He to? was trying to throw it to Michael Carter, yeah. It was Michael Carter. Uh, so... I would like to see more wide receivers uh, coming to his aid, uh, especially in that situation. Yeah, I'm going to go even further than that. And I'm really upset with Michael Floor. And I'm really upset with that, with the play call that he had in that situation, let alone wide receivers coming back to the ball. The wide receivers weren't getting open in one-on-one coverage. And they were running basically a variation of a levels concept. And it was against man-to-man with a, a man blitz. They had two stacked alignments on either side in a two by two. You could have had Flacco, who's this veteran, recognize some sort of man coverage and have some sort of can audible in their system where a can audible is the the literal saying the quarterback will say when he's changing the play at the line. And you'll hear them go can, 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 can. That means they called two plays in the huddle. They started with one. Now they're switching to the other. I would have loved to have a zone beater and a man beater in that situation and be able to to can to something that would have been a little more effective against man because Flacco had to stand in the pocket against the blitz that the offensive line for all their perp and all the credit they deserve picked it up great at running back did their job. I think it was uh, Carter who came in and laid a block and then was able to continue downfield. The rest of the offensive line was able to pick up the, the blitz and slide it out to the side and Flacco had the room and the time to get on the run and get out and try and make a play. I would have loved to see a different play call at the start. I would have really loved to see our wide receivers get open against single coverage. And quite honestly, was it a dumb decision by Flacco? Yes. But if he, again, going off replay from what I could see, if he lost that ball more, I still think it's a completion. I think he just put it a little too flat. And it was, he didn't try to completely bullet it in. It wasn't a hard throw, but he just didn't get it nearly enough air on it. And he really needed to, to let Carter drift away from the defender and let him run under it. I think there was a, I'm not too upset with the decision. I was just upset with the execution. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe he also had a pass rusher in his face as well. Right. Uh, and this is his first action this preseason too. So he, just like everybody else that he, he has to knock off the rust a little bit. Uh, so it's to be expected. Uh, the fact that it was against the giants backups is also kind of irking people the wrong way. Uh, there's still so much they got to work out. And they only have two weeks to do it. Um, I don't know if they will be able to, but that's that's the hope anyways. Yeah, that's that's going to be the hope. 
I would say as far as the starting offense is concerned at this very moment, I'm outside of that one play on third down. I'm happy with what we've seen from the receiving group as a whole. I thought Elijah Moore had a great play on a first down where he runs a little out route, catches the ball on the flat after about three or four yards, and he knows he's going to get tackled. And he doesn't care that he's 5'9", 180-something pounds. He puts his head down and tries to run straight through the corner and picks up an extra five yards and makes it second and one. And that mentality early in the game in preseason week three, this is supposed to be the dress rehearsal. Elijah Moore has, you know, all the expectations to really grow into the number one receiver on this team. I that mentality leaped off the screen to me. And I absolutely love that. We saw Garrett Wilson catch a ball that was tipped, keep his eyes, be able to track it. I lost track of it on the TV. I copy. I had, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was an interception. And I was so upset with Mike White for coming off the wide open guy in the flat for which would have been a first down. And Garrett Wilson somehow comes up, uses his awareness, ball tracking instincts, makes the catch, turns a bad play into a positive gain for however many yards it ended up being. It still was better than what it should have been. We've seen Corey Davis make a play at the start of the drive, their first drive, runs a nice little curl route, is able to catch it, run through a tackle, pick up the first down. Barrio scored a 21-yard touchdown on a receiver screen. We're going to get to Denzel Mims, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, Calvin Jackson has two game winners under his belt. There's a lot of talent at this receiver position, and I'm really happy with where they are as a whole. Tight ends, overall, enjoy what I've seen, waiting to see them get into sync a little bit more, and I'm waiting to see them kind of figure out exactly their roles and where each of them are going to be best. Because I think right now Michael Floor is really finding out what each guy is better at and what plays are better for some guys. There was a play. And the second drive, I believe it was, where CJ Uzama was in the slot and they ran a slot fade to him and he was smothered because he had a safety on him and he just wasn't fast enough to be able to outrun the safety. I feel like that's a play in the future. If they're going to have a tight end on that play, it's going to be Conklin. Mm. And he might have the athleticism to go outrun that safety. Uh, Offensive line, we already talked about. I thought pass protection, they've been solid. Run blocking has been a major concern. The running backs... It's been hard to judge them with how the run blocking has been, but when they've been given lanes, they've made the most of it. We saw a great run from Bam Knight again today. We saw Tevin Coleman in a couple of games previously make some good runs. We've seen Brees Hall and the few opportunities that he's had to get open and get outside, make people miss. He had another nice run uh, against the Giants as well. I'm very, I'm a lot more confident in the offense right now, this time this year, than I was this time last year by leaps and bounds. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we can comfortably say we're not concerned about the, the receiver talent, the running back talent, the tight end talent. We know that the talent is there for those guys. It's real. It's not it's just real. Hype. It's yeah. They're, these guys aren't just performing in preseason because it's preseason. These guys have the talent. Now it's just a matter of the offensive line, figuring out the quarterbacks, uh, getting in grooves and, uh, not making huge mistakes. And, the defense really coming around and realizing their talent, uh, which I think maybe they did today. Uh, again, it was against backup, so it's hard to really tell. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, we we have the talent. It's it's there. It's just a matter of putting it together. It might not be immediate, uh, but I am confident that at some point it will kick in. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that's a good time to turn and look at the defense as a whole and really the starters that we saw from this defense And the first guy I want to talk about is Sauce Gardner, because correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, did Sauce Gardner go the entire preseason without even getting targeted? 
I believe so. I didn't hear his name once today. And as a quarterback, that's what you want to have. He's you played, don't, in, you don't he's want your played in every game. He hasn't played necessarily a lot, but he's played at least a handful of drives in every game while he's been sorting out that role with Bryce Hall. I think he had a, like 13 snaps against the Eagles, maybe 11 against um, Atlanta. I'm not sure exactly how many ended up having this game against the Giants today, but I'm sure it was probably the most he's had at any point in any game this uh, year so far. And yes, I want to be clear that we still have to see what he does when he is thrown at. And the Jets drafted him a lot for what he does with the ball in the air coming at him, not just what he does covering people in general. But going the preseason, the entire preseason without getting targeted once is still respectable. Like um, that's that's worth noting and that's worth applauding. And Sala announced he's going to be the other starting corner today. Not that it was much of a surprise or people <laughs> yeah. were expecting anything different after they took him fourth overall, but they made him work for it. They ex- have high expectations for him. And, and I can't get the, the comparison out of my head that I'm sure Robert Sala is looking at this guy going, this is my next Richard Sherman. And I'm going to make you into Richard Sherman and I'm going to be as hard on you as I was on on Richard, because I know you can take it and I'm going to make you into a pro bowler, if not more Uh, They're They got to be absolutely thrilled with him. You know what? I think I I don't think he's thinking about Richard Sherman because I think he looks at at sauce and looks at him as a guy that could be better than Sherman. Sherman was probably amazing in in zone, uh, but I feel like he definitely lacked a lot of uh, the talent that you would expect from a top tier cornerback when it came to man coverage. Uh, but with sauce, I think he can excel in both equally as well. And that will take him to the next level, a level that Sherman probably could never have reached. And that's why the jets were so ecstatic with him at the top of their draft board. That's why they've been so ecstatic with him as he's been in the building. Uh, he has had, this is about as good as you could ask for outside of him, you know, having three pick sixes already. This could have is pretty much about as good of a debut as you could have hoped. The next area I want to turn to is the defensive line. Yeah. Oh my goodness. These guys are about to be something, something else. Carl Lawson looks like he's ready to take over. I am so excited for the future of Carl Lawson because he looks downright frightening between him Quinn, uh, Quinnen, uh, Clemens, JJ, every single one of these guys looks absolutely scary. Huff they looks are, good. Uh, Huff looked good. Uh, and I look good again. Yep. Uh, the, every single one of these guys has flashed, uh, during this preseason. I can't think of a single guy that really hasn't. Um, and that's, that's speaks to the depth of this defensive line that JD has put together. That all of these guys are clicking right now. It's it's going to make for a lot of tough decisions uh, when it comes to to really uh, breaking this down and seeing who they want to keep. Actually, you know what? There is one guy who I don't think we've heard at all during this preseason. That's Rankins. Has he been hurt? Has he been playing? He didn't play in this past game. I'm not sure he's played before. I think he might have played in week in the first preseason game, but I'm not 100% on that, and I know for a fact he didn't play in this game. In fact, he was next to Zach Wilson in the booth. Huh. So, that makes me think. Maybe uh, there's some decisions that uh, are maybe a little bit easier than others, because uh, even though he was forced into a major starting role last year, uh, I and he didn't really do much to really impress anybody 
is he maybe on the block? Uh, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, that's going to be a, a discussion we're going to need to have. But my gut right now, not to spoil anything, makes me think he's going to be on the roster. And yeah. I think it's mostly the contract. Just because I think he's already had most of his salary guaranteed. There's dead money if they were to cut him outright. And outside of a conditional seventh or a sixth, what are you going to get in a trade value? Where if you're if your options are, we'd rather have this guy on our roster than eat the dead money and, and try and get something for him while we can. You know, I'm not sure about that. I think he's going to end up sticking. Probably. The other... Uh, go ahead. So yeah. I was just looking at, at a snap count. He did play in the first game. And I thought so. It. I thought so. I'm not sure if he's injured. I'd have to go back and double check on that. I haven't heard anything specifically about him having an injury. But my gut would say he's going to be on the roster. Speaking of defensive tackles, this is the... One of the, like, for as little time as he played, some of the best football I've seen Quinn and Williams play in New York. Oh, yeah. He was he was absolutely detonating people. Uh, he got a sack on that third down blitz where pretty much everyone beat their man. You have Carl Lawson, who rins with a, a rip move to the outside, and he's past the offensive tackle and ready to go and scream on the quarterback. Michael Carter, the second, comes on a slot blitz, and he's unblocked. And Quinnen gets a running start to get a bull rush on the left tackle and absolutely just runs right by him. At textbook grabs the wrist so that the tackle doesn't have anywhere to latch on and basically just picks him up and walks him back five yards, throws him to the side, and goes and flattens down Tyrod Taylor. He had another play, I think, in the next drive where he's playing against the run, absolutely tossed the left guard out of the freaking club and got into the backfield for a, a run stop. He looked fantastic. And it doesn't seem like any sort of foot or ankle injury that he had a little bit ago through camp a couple of weeks ago is bothering him at all. The The weight that he lost where he says he's the truck that let go of the trailer and now he's cruising <laughs> and he can go faster. Look out NFL because Carl Lawson and Quinn and Williams like I, I said this to Vitor, our former co-host on Twitter today. They were having a, the two of them were having a three point contest. They were just trying to outdo each other and, and see who could do the craziest, dumbest stuff to whatever offensive lineman came in front of them on that particular play. And they were just going back and forth. It's going to be a fun season watching those two go at it. Absolutely. But again, we should definitely note that this was against backups. Right. And they uh, looked so absolutely destructive time. as they Which should. what they should. And, yes. and that's the point. Yes. They, they did not disappoint at all. Uh, I can't wait to see these guys doing this every single play. Uh, throughout the year. Uh, I want to talk about the linebackers because mm-hmm. uh, it's been a while since we've really had a lot of good things to say about the linebacking group, but uh, they get to play today, uh, especially Sherwood and and Quan. Quan uh, with that, what, that, that frighteningly hard Speaking hit. Speaking of detonating people. Wow. And he just separated the ball uh, seamlessly. It was, it was, that showed a lot. Uh, I, I think of him as more of the coverage guy, as the the speed to the outside, the the rangy guy, not the guy that's going to lay the wood. But he laid the wood today. Uh, and then Sherwood, who has had a very good summer, uh, and he's looking a little more, a little stronger, and a little bit more sure of himself. Uh, he is also laying people out when there's uh, catches in front of him. He does not let those those uh, those receivers get any yards. He lays them out where they stand. 
Uh, he's uh, he's been flashing a lot for me. Uh, if these two guys can really pick up the slack, uh, I'm not worried about our depth at at linebacker. No, I'm not worried about our depth at linebacker at all. And I can't believe that I'm actually saying that because it's been such concern for so long. But Jamie and Sherwood is still impressing the hell out of me. Yeah, just without even talking about his play on the field and and what he's doing physically, because I'm going to get to that in a second. I need to make the point clear, and I want anyone who's going to go back and watch any replays or anything in the game. Notice how he is always the guy getting everyone aligned. And if someone's aligned wrong, he's the one yelling at them to get in the right spot. When he and Hamza Nasruddin were on the field together, Sherwood was putting, telling Hamza where to go practically every snap. And he would, Hamza would come out. He'd set up on the left end. The strong side of the formation is the weak side linebacker, and he's head up over the tight end, and he's not supposed to be. And there Sherwood grabbing him by the shoulder pad saying, dude, come on, you're over here. Directing the traffic, understanding the defense, knowing his role and everybody else's role, exactly like he did at Auburn. I saw him play mainly middle linebacker. They got him a couple of reps in a mug where he was pass rushing. They had him rush off the edge on one on a third down, and he got one-on-one with a running back and dang near drove the running back into the quarterback. He's starting to pick up more roles. He's starting to really get comfortable. He's starting to really get competent and sure of himself, and that was the player that I saw out of him at Auburn when I first turned his tape on after the Jets drafted him. It's not what I saw out of him at the start of the preseason last year in a little bit of reserve spot. It still looked like he was getting adjusted to the violence, the speed, the physicality. And when you're used to being the biggest, baddest, meanest dude in the field always, then you get to the NFL. There's that acclimation period. To be where he's at now mentally, to be where he's at now physically, coming off a serious injury that he healed from way faster than anyone has any business to heal from, and to see just the the progression that he's made, rarely is he caught out of position. I think there's been a couple of issues with play action where the Jets were getting gashed in the run game early, uh, mainly when they had their backup defensive linemen in against the Eagles and against the Falcons. And so Sherwood was coming up a little harder and they would have some routes go behind him. That's going to be the death of this defense, regardless of who's at linebacker, unless you're Fred Warner. So I'm not going to get too hung up on that. What I've seen from him is that He's always aware of checkdowns. When he triggers downhill, he triggers downhill with authority. And when he hits people, that's it. They don't move anymore. They go down where they stand the second he makes contact. And it's almost like he's a little bit of the anti-Quincy Williams, where Quincy, you want him to just be a little more sure of himself before he's making that trigger. With Sherwood, it was you want him to trigger, not wait so much to be 100% confident in what he's seeing and then go explode. You want him to be a little more instinctive and get that extra step of a head start. There's been a couple of plays this preseason where he's had that extra step. And he's sure of himself before the play. And right at the snap, he's coming downhill looking to lay someone out. And he's been one of the few linebackers to really stop the run that way. So I'm I'm blown away with him. He's he's already right now better than I thought he would be at this point in his career last year. Transitioning to safety, coming off an injury, going through, uh, you know, a defensive change that was a different structural defense from what he was seeing. The coverages were similar, but the alignment and roles that he was playing at Auburn were, were, were all over the place compared to where he is now as a Mike linebacker. And he's handled it with flying colors. I'm over the moon with his progression. I cannot wait to see what he does in the future. He's only going to keep getting better. Yeah, 
the this whole transition from from safety uh i thought was one that would maybe take a couple of years to to really get down and the fact that it's year two after a big injury and he's already looking very comfortable uh and sure of himself that that is truly amazing uh, and we were talking about him as being the heir apparent to cj to cj and uh i think that he's well on track to to actually fulfill that uh that prophecy so yeah it's good to see i can't wait to see him maybe even get more snaps maybe even some starter snaps alongside cj I think he is going to see the field more than people think, and I think he's earned it throughout this summer. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you just look at the development and you're comparing them directly, um, we'll get to this in our 53 prediction, but if you're looking at where he is now compared to where Hamza Nazraldine is now, both being safeties that were drafted in 2018 who's had injury problems and converted to linebacker, the difference in the quality of where they are and how much farther Sherwood is along in his development, it's staggering. It's staggering. They're not even in the same stratosphere of caliber of players right now. Yeah, it's it's mind boggling. Uh, it's going to be fun watching him develop even more because even as good as he is right now, uh, he's still just scratching the surface. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there's still plenty that he can clean up. He still needs to get better at taking on blocks head on. He still needs to be get better at his anchor. I still would like to see him be a little more instinctive with his trigger. And I do wish that sometimes he would have the ability to kind of react as he's triggering. And sometimes you trigger wrong. And I want to see him realize when he's wrong a little bit faster. But that's going to come with experience. That's going to come with reps. He's handling everything physically for the most part. Being a former safety, six foot one, two hundred and twenty pound linebacker, you're never going to be the the thumper on the inside, tossing guards and tackles out of the way. But you'd still like to see him hold up a little bit better. I thought the few reps he's had in coverage this preseason, he's been excellent. I'm loving where I've seen out of him in zone. I'm loving what I'm seeing with him against the run when he triggers the right way. There's a lot to be hopeful for. I. I, I can talk all day about him. And I, every time we get the opportunity to talk about him, I get into this same this same mindset. But guys, this dude's going to be fantastic. And we're seeing it before our own eyes. I I can't wait. Moving on before I spend the rest of our day talking here about Jamie and Sherwood. Let's talk about the rest of the secondary. We had a great game from Michael Carter. The second had a baited interception on Tyrod Taylor, mm -hmm. where he's playing curl flat and cover three sees the quarterback starting to roll out, drifts back and gets depth, makes an incredible leaping interception. As I mentioned, he had the half sack on the corner blitz before he had a couple of plays and run defense where he was the force defender and was able to get outside and maintain position, bounce some runs out and let some other people clean up. Great game from him. Jordan Whitehead looked great. I didn't see too much about him in coverage, but he had a big run stuff early in the game coming downhill hard. Definitely what we're hoping to see to improve the run defense. LaMarcus Joyner, I think, played solid. Didn't really give up too many plays in coverage. Had a nice run stuff on the other side earlier in the game. But if there's someone in the secondary that I think we need to talk about outside of Sauce Gardner and outside of Michael Carter, it's Will Parks. Yeah. Because dude needs to not only be on this team, let alone make the team. I think he needs to be starting. competing with Joyner to be starting. Yeah. Yes. And it's not that I think Will Parks is that amazing. I just think that Joyner is going to be that much of a liability. And from what we've seen from Parks, I can't imagine him being worse. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Every time I see Parks on the field, whether it's as a starter or uh, in, as, in a backup capacity, he's making plays. He is moving downfield with authority. He's making hits. He's not in the wrong place. He's not. Ding, 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 ding. He's, That's he's the point right confidence. there for me. 
he's not in the wrong place. Sorry, but that's that is yeah. <laughs> that is exactly it. And when Lamarcus Joyner, we saw against the Falcons, got caught out of position on the switch release and gave up a wide open play to the tight end. You're a veteran safety. You shouldn't be falling for that. You, you should not have your eyes stuck in the backfield uh, on a on a flat route in the running back where there's linebackers already drifting that way. And you looked and checked and saw the tight end release and saw him go. And now you're just forgetting he exists. There's got to be better than that. Uh, he's always in the right position. Will Parks is. And that's huge for me for a safety. Yeah. Uh, I keep seeing people talk about, Oh, is, is Parks on the bubble uh, on the bubble right now? And I'm like, I don't think so. I, I think he's probably starting this. Uh, it's, it's going to be, it's a wild ride considering where we came from last year at safety to where we are now. Uh, we have a lot of guys that can compete for the starting spot and not just start, but also play well. Uh, and that's important, especially uh, with this defense. And from where they were last year, like I just said, it, it's it, last year was a complete void of talent. This year, I a, a abundance of it. So let's, let's see how it shakes out. It's going to be really interesting to see because I wonder if they get to a point because I'm not sure Parks is just going to outright be the starter to start the year. I think they're dead set on starting with Marcus Joyner. But if Joyner really struggles, how long is it going to take before they consider putting Parks in and seeing what he can do? Yeah, I'm not sure it's going to take that long. Probably not. I, I really don't think so. Overall, this was a really solid game from the Jets uh, as a club top to bottom. couple of small mistakes that I think needed to be worked on. Obviously, Carter fumbling after after he would have picked up a first down without it, it's going to be an issue. I thought some of the the third and short play calls and execution were really struggles that we'd like to see improve. But there was one guy with all the headlines around him that really oh, performed yeah. and, and really kind of made a name for himself. And that was Denzel Mims, where preseason or otherwise, this was the best get, jet game of his jet career. And it, it almost seemed like to me, Matt, and I don't, want to be the conspiracy theorist guy that I usually end up falling into the trap of being, but it almost seemed like they were trying to feature him. It almost (laughs) seemed like they were trying to force feed him the ball to be like, okay, you wanted your opportunity. We'll give it to you. We want to, if we can facilitate a trade, we can. And then Robert Sala comes out and says, he's one of our six best receivers. We value him. We want to try and keep him here as much as we can. So, it was really confusing to me because what they did in the game tells me they want to trade him. What they're saying says they don't. And after his performance today, it's kind of understandable to think why they wouldn't want to trade him. See, it's even more confusing because he's been capable of this the entire time. And I, we always like wonder why are they not targeting Mims? Why are they not targeting him? And when they do good things seem to happen. Uh, So it's all kind of, a mystery like why have why now so yes i think that this the news that happened this week uh definitely propelled us to this moment where they started to feature him whether that's to maybe give him confidence in staying and wanting to stay or to build uh, some value for him on the trade market we really don't know uh and i'm not exactly sure how to go forward thinking about Mims, if we should look at him as already gone or as definitely fighting for that last wide receiver spot. I I truly don't know. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, this is a tricky situation because I think there's a lot of different factors here. 
First things first, as much as I think the Jets were trying to feature Denzel Mims for whatever reasoning they had behind that, he also responded to being featured. And there's we need to give him credit just as much and not just go, oh, well, look at the Jets are forcing him the ball because they're trying to trade him. They could have thrown him the ball eight times and he could have dropped every pass. We've seen Denzel Mims struggle with drops, running routes incorrectly, being in the wrong spot, having contested catches that you would expect him to make and then he doesn't come down with them. We didn't see much of that today. Mm-hmm. Instead, we saw him getting to the right spot. We saw crisp routes. We saw sharp cuts at the top of his break, making strong catches in traffic, that adjusting touchdown. to the ball in the air. Oh that touchdown God. was fantastic. Exactly. Runs right by the coverage. Streveler throws an absolute dime. I don't understand how the ball comes out of his hand the way it does because it's the ugliest throwing motion I've ever <laughs> seen since Tim Tebow. Coincidental that they both wear 15. And but the ball comes out and it's on time and it's the, the touch is great and it's a good spiral and it's good placement and, and it's a dart. And and if Zach Wilson (laughs) made the same throw, we'd be losing our heads. Yeah. So uh, it's, it doesn't make any sense, but yeah, Mims played really, really well. And I think he deserves credit for responding to the, the, the challenge of being featured, having the pressure of saying, Oh, I want to trade and having that be in the media and saying he deserves to be starting. And we talked about that just a few days ago and how he's had opportunities and there's been things that he struggled with for whatever reason. And to see him go out and perform when he was featured and the lights were on, uh, they showed clips of him on the sideline. That's the happiest I've ever seen Denzel Bibbs as a Mm -hmm. kid. Yeah. That like it looked like he was having the time of his life. And we both just said a few days ago, we wish nothing but success for him. Well, I'm glad this happened because this is good for the Jets. Let it's alone good for everybody, good for, right? Let alone good for Mims himself. Now the Jets are going to go. Well, if you want him, look at what we now we know what he's capable of too. We're not just going to give him up for free, and it's going to create a really really tough situation. I honestly am not sure what's going to happen with him at this point. If you made me bet, my gut is going to say that they're going to trade him just because I think from the history of this system and the guys Michael Floor has been around, the guys Robert Sala has been around, they don't value the bigger possession receivers as much. They like the smaller, shiftier guys who can win with routes and win with separation and can play outside or in the slot and be versatile matchup weapons. And that's really their their cup of tea. And not that it's, you know, Denzel Mims is a bad player and that he might not work on their system too. And I think that he can work in their system too. That's just their particular flavor of preference. But if he ends up sticking as the sixth wide receiver or if the Jets keep seven wide receivers and he's one of them, I'm not going to be surprised about it at all. I also think there's a situation where he makes the 53 and gets traded during the year. I don't think this is just going to be something that ends with roster cuts on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, I got more to say about it, but I think I'll wait till we get to the wide receiver breakdown. Good save. Good save. We'll hold <laughs> off until then. All right. Well, I think that wraps up the preseason as a whole, especially preseason week three. Undefeated King Strebler reigns. No one can take down the GOAT. Very happy to see that happen again. Let's get into our official 53-man roster predictions ahead of Tuesday's final cuts. Matt, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the reins as we go by position by position. We'll start at the top with quarterback. How many quarterbacks are we keeping, and what are those names? All right. I think we're going to be forced to keep three quarterbacks at least to start the season because we don't know when uh, Zach's going to be coming back, so I doubt they're going to put him uh, on any pup list or short-term IR or anything like that. 
Uh, so I think Wilson will be on the week one 53-man roster, uh, along with Flacco and White. As much as we love Strebler and what he's done, I still think that they love Mike White and have the confidence in him to be our third string. Uh, and I think that they have a little bit more confidence in Strebler, uh, maybe making the, the practice squad, maybe making it through waivers. Uh, and now when Zach comes back, I think that there's a chance that White maybe is cut then. But right now, I think they, as far as week one goes, where they know that Joe Flacco is most likely the starter, uh, they're going to want their most experienced backup there, who will be Mike White. Yeah, we're on the same page. And I flip-flopped about this, uh, you know, recently. Uh, and especially today, we saw Strebler do it again. That's going to make things, you know, difficult. But the thing that you have to remember, and, and you not being you, Matt, but, you know, Jets fans in general, <laughs> is Mike White has been in this system for well over a year now. He's had starting experience. He's been around the coaches. He knows the offense. The Jets have spoken very highly of him. And very clearly, you know, there's he's a good person in the locker room. He's a good person on the team. Seems like he's a good relationship with Zach Wilson and the other quarterbacks in the quarterback room. And they like what they have in him. And I'm sure they are amazingly impressed with Chris Trevler and want to keep him on the practice squad. Oh, absolutely. I I'm, do not think they just want to let him go and say, this was great. We had an awesome time. See you whenever. I think they would love to have a scenario where they could keep all four of these guys mm -hmm. and and be able to roll with it. But my gut says that they're going to keep three quarterbacks, and those three quarterbacks are going to be Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, and Mike White. Just because I think Mike White's experience with the playbook, with the offense, with the receivers, chemistry that he's already built with his teammates, not that Streveler, again, doesn't have chemistry or isn't liked or anything close to it, but when you've been in the system and been with the coaches for that long, they know you, they have more trust in you, and it's not like we were sitting here thinking Mike White was in danger of being cut with anything else going on. If Chris Trevler didn't have the performance that we did, this wouldn't be a conversation. And so I think that really is the end point for me. I think Mike White's going to make the roster. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he's traded before the deadline though. Ah, yeah. That, uh, the possible trade. Um, I, for, I, uh, my memory is not uh, servicing me right, me right now, but if when Zach came back from his injury, uh, we still held him on the 53. We, we didn't move him to the practice squad, right? White? Yeah. Yes. He remained on the 53. He remained. He so got he injured, so he, was, so he was inactive for a while. But yes, they had three quarterbacks. But we started the year with two. If I... We started with three because Josh Johnson was the practice squad quarterback. Oh, Josh Johnson was practice That's right. Okay. So, yeah, I think, again, we'll, we'll stick with White, Flacco, Wilson. I think so too. And I hope with everything in my body that when Strevler gets released, he isn't picked up because he needs to be the practice squad quarterback because he's the only guy that can be the scout team quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's the only oh, yeah. guy that has the mobility to, to replicate the guys like a Lamar Jackson or replicate like even remotely something close to a Josh Allen being mobile. Not that they're even in the same stratosphere. <laughs> Strevler is going to do a better job of it than Mike White or Flacco or somebody else that they might have that they could find on the practice squad outside of maybe Josh Johnson, who they don't have anymore. So yeah. they really need to bring him back. That's why I think this is going to be a really tough decision because 
I this is a vital position. Scout team quarterback is really important. This is more so than just who's going to be the backup and who's going to play. This is how your defense is going to be able to practice all year. It really matters. That's very true. I agree. You want to do tackles next? Let's do tackles. Yeah, we can get into tackles. Um, I'm looking at my list for the offensive tackles here, and I think it is going to ultimately end in just four. And so you're mm-hmm. going to have Dwayne Brown, you're going to have George Fant, you're going to have Max Mitchell, and I have Chuma Adoga as the final tackle. Not that I think he's played necessarily well enough to keep it, but I don't think any of the other reserve tackles have really done anything too good to, to unseat him from his spot. And it seems like he has been the primary backup left tackle throughout most of the summer, throughout most of the preseason. And, and I really don't see that changing. So I think he's going to stick as the tackle for uh, I agree. Uh, unless we bring somebody in off the, the cut list, whoever's cut, uh, or if we make a trade, uh, I, I see Adoga being the last guy in that four man tackle group. Uh, Max Mitchell, who has a lot of potential. I know you have a lot to say about Max Mitchell. Uh, we'll get into that another time. Uh, and then Phantom Brown, our starters, and I can't see us keeping five, uh, just because we have so much talent throughout this entire roster, spending uh, a roster spot on a fifth, I think is just a little too rich. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I definitely think so too. And I think that's an important distinction to make that uh, you were alluding to at the start, but I'll say plainly flat out outright for the people. This is our prediction as of 4.30 p.m. on Tuesday. This is not where the roster will end up after the waiver wire is figured out and other teams have made their cuts. If Joe Douglas has done anything, it's add quality impact players at the deadline. So I'm very much expecting some of these players that we are going to expect to make this roster actually won't make this roster when everything's said and done because somebody unexpected is going to join it and they're going to be able to make an impact. We've seen it too many times with Douglas to not expect it. Yeah, agreed. All right, Matt, go ahead and talk about the guards. There's only going to be a few of them. And I think overall, as we've seen from the preseason, the offensive line depth, there just hasn't been anyone take the reins and and claim to win a job. So it's kind of status quo. Yeah, uh, you got AVT and, and Lakin. Uh, they'll be your starters. And I think that behind them is just going to be Herbig. Uh, three, mm-hmm. I think three guys is pretty much all you need, especially uh, we'll, we'll get into the centers next, but uh, Feeney has uh, that uh, ability to play both center or guard. So uh, the fact that you have and Herbert could play center as well. So they both have that utility to them uh, to play multiple positions inside. Uh, so I think between those two guys, they'll sure up the inside. And let's just talk about the, the, the center. Or unless did you, did you uh, want a fourth guy? Uh, no, I had the same list as you. So we are, in terms of the interior offensive line, we have the starters as Tomlinson, McGovern, and ABT, and I have Herbig and Feeney as the backups. Uh, Herbig is the guard and Feeney is the center. Both of them can interchange in different spots depending on what would be needed. I think they're going to be the two primary backups. I think we have the two primary backup tackles. I think we're carrying nine offensive linemen total. Exactly. And now we're at 12 uh, total on our total roster. That would be it. All right, let's get to this receiver position because this is where we differ. So yes. I'll let you go ahead and lead off. All right, so you got the the top four, uh, who I think everybody knows what order that is. It's going to be more Wilson, Davis, Berrios. Uh, then after that, then it gets a little murky. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, undrafted free agents uh, who have really shown up 
Uh, and then you have Mims. <laughs> so what I was going to say about Mims is I th- don't think that they've really given up on him. I don't think they're ready to trade him. Uh, I think they know what value he has still. Uh, everything that they say s- sort of points to this. And I'm going to give him my uh, wide receiver five spot. Uh, I think he have, does make it. And all the other guys, they have shown up and, and looked great. Uh, but in the end, I think that they're more likely to make it to the practice squad if they don't make the 53. Uh, and I would like to keep all of them, every single one of them, if we can. Uh, but I think Mims has that value still, uh, even though he's kind of looked eh, on special teams. Uh, the developmental talent is there. Uh, and injuries do happen. And we know that Mims, in a crunch, can go in and perform. He proved that today against the Giants. Uh, I am confident in him uh, making the team if he isn't traded. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say that I would be shocked at all if he ends up on the 53 come the end of Tuesday, especially after today's performance against the Giants. That is definitely going to do a lot to boost his stock. However, I also think it did a lot to entice a certain coach down in Carolina that's been rumored to potentially be interested and has a history of getting swindled by Joe Douglas. So I don't have Denzel Mims on my 53 and you had five receivers, including Mims. I have six receivers without Mims. So the top four, as we said, in Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Braxton Berrios, and I have Jeff Smith and Calvin Jackson making the roster as the final two. I think Mims is going to get traded to the Panthers. I think Matt rule is going to give up a conditional four or something that's going to be too good for Douglas to get back in value. I think they like the depth that they have at receiver. And like I said, a little bit ago, when we were talking about Mims, I think they like the guys that are a little shiftier, that are a little better route technicians for lack of a better saying. And those are guys like Jeff Smith and Calvin Jackson, especially Jeff Smith is another guy that can take end arounds, get drawn up the screens and the gadget plays. And that's a big part of the Jets offense. We saw that with Barrios today where he scored a 21 yard touchdown on a wide receiver screen. Guys like Calvin Jackson can do that. He's a guy that's returning punts. He has that value as well and kicks uh, special teams value for Jackson's huge. You give him the opportunity to get the ball in space. Same goes for Jeff Smith. Like I said, I think that's what's going to be the separator. I think they're going to keep six receivers. I think Mims is going to be a Panther. And I think the Jets are going to have a really good receiving room in 2022. All right. Well, we need to break it down and and get come away with some kind of wide receiver room here that we can agree on. Uh, why don't we split it? Uh, I have, well, I'll go with, why don't we go with five wide receivers? Uh, but since you don't have Mims, let's just pick one of the two that you have. How about we go with six and I'll leave out Jeff Smith and you keep Mims? Deal. <laughs> so Jackson and Mims. Uh, Jackson and it out. Yeah, that'll um, be the official OKD uh, 53 prediction will be the six receivers. Denzel Mims be wide receiver five in parentheses. Calvin Jackson be wide receiver six. I think that's still a good group, even if it ends that way. Although I, I have another idea, which kind of goes into our next position of tight end five, but we keep Cager as a hybrid. Uh, I'm because think about Cager. I'll let not go making ahead. It. Do you think that he will make yes. it to the practice not, squad? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I do. Don't see I, guys, I'm sorry. Uh, listen, he's been great. I love his ability in space, but he's also been doing it primarily against backups. And if you're a tight end, you're mainly getting matched up against linebackers with a running start. You should be pulling them away like, like that if you're a former receiver. And his blocking has just not been there. He's had some good effort. It's not an effort thing with him. It's just a strength and technique. And the tight ends in this system need to block. So unless they are keeping him as kind of their Jawan Jennings that they had in San Francisco, who's mm-hmm. wide receiver, tight end, H-back, get, get him the ball in the flat and let him run, let him run a crackback block on the other side, you know, draw up a screen for him on a throwback or something like that. Is that possible? Yes. But I also think you can do all of that stuff with guys like Uzama and Conklin. And and maybe even Ruckert. And so I'm not sure you need Cager to fill in that other spot at tight end. Uh, you know, we'll get to tight end of the hole from my view. You had five total on your list. I only had three. Yeah. <laughs> I I included Wesco there, but he's more of a, a fullback. Uh so yeah, I, I I have all all five of those guys there with Cager rounding it out. Uh I don't know. I I I see your point. I just I, I want to see him develop more as a tight end, and I'm scared that if we do cut him, that he does not make it to the practice squad. Uh, and good for him if he does get picked up somewhere to be a starter or not a starter, but to be uh, to make their 53 man roster because he's played lights out this entire uh, uh, preseason. Uh, he's definitely turned some heads. Uh, I like him a lot. If he does make it, I feel good about it. If he doesn't make it, I feel not as good about it, but if we have to make a deal, uh, then yeah, let's just keep it as Denzel Mims and Calvin Jackson, and then leave Cager off. It's it's a tough call, but this is my thing with with Cager, and I I don't know if he's done too much on special teams from what I've seen. I know he's been playing on there, but I don't know if he's had too many impact plays. I haven't been studying the special teams film to be able to sit there and give an opinion on that, but. If he is a major contributor, I think that is going to be what keeps him as the tight end for. If he's not, then you're basically only keeping him in for a couple of plays a game where he's specifically, you know, subbed in for a certain role and you're trying to get him the ball in space and let him run. Is that enough to get him to stick on the 53 over some of all the other talent we have on this roster? And this is the first time in a long time the Jets have too much talent to keep. They would love to keep more than 53 guys, but they can't. And they're going to let go of players like Cager could be one of them that might make another team's active roster. But these are the tough decisions they just haven't had to make in a while. They've been so devoid of talent that it was anyone that flashed in in any capacity was good enough to make the team. We're better than that now. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, I agree. Uh, There's so much talent there that uh, we thought about having this many guys to really choose from last year, or we would have been mystified. Like how, how did we get to that point? Yeah, How uh, do we, we get had... to 53? That's what we were doing last year. Yeah. <laughs> we, we couldn't find 53 guys that we even wanted on this team. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's quite the, the turnaround for sure, especially at the tight end position. It absolutely is. And it's been a turnaround at running back over these last few years too. And mm-hmm. we have a slight difference, but essentially we're saying the same thing. We have Michael Carter and Brees Hall both making it. You have uh, ending at three running backs with Bam Knight beating out Tevin Coleman. I have it as four running backs with Tevin Coleman and Bam Knight making the roster. I think it's just if they have room for Coleman, I think they'll keep him. But I think Bam has done more than enough to make this team. He deserves to be on this team. I agree. I, I like what Bam brings to, to the table. 
uh, with uh, his power, his special teams ability. Uh, and he does have that that speed that you don't really expect. He, he, he showed that today as well. He, uh, yep. His burst through the hole uh, and his long speed to really pull away from defenders. Uh, I, I like it. And I think Coleman is kind of redundant behind Carter and Hall. Uh, but at the same time, I know they really like Coleman as well. Uh, and he's just reliable. Um, so I could definitely see Coleman staying. Uh, I, I kind of want to leave Coleman there as uh, a possibility, depending how the defense shakes out and seeing what the numbers look like. Uh, if the numbers are, look good and we have a, a room for one more, I would probably put Coleman back on. Now, here's a question for you, not to go into the past or anything, but to make a point of what we're talking about, which is the Jets have too many good players to keep. Would you rather keep Tevin Coleman or Lawrence Cager? Hmm. I think that's... I'd pick Coleman, and I think that's why I think Cager got left out for me. All right. So I think I like to think of matchups, right? Mm. And I think that. Cager is maybe a little bit more of a matchup problem than Coleman is. Uh, I think the fact that if, if Coleman gets any snaps, it's going to be to re- as a as third string behind Carter and Hall. So I just, but at the same time, you're like you said before, a lot of what Cager does can be picked up by Uzama or Rucker. Or even Conklin. So it's it's kind of... Both know. players are redundant skill sets. They and, are kind of redundant. And what does Tevin Coleman do? He's a kick returner. Yeah. But, you know, Bam Knight can return kicks as well. And that's why I think that it's it's tough to call with him. Yeah. Is that, like we're saying with Cager, where, you know, other guys can do what he does. Well, Tevin Coleman's kind of redundant if you have Bam Knight. And and you need another guy to be a returner and a power back. Well, there you go. So uh, it's it's a tough call. I think if we're going to put our official prediction in and what we're going to stamp together, I think I'm going to keep it at three and I'm going to leave Coleman out. Yeah. It's tough, but I think it's going to be those top three are definitely going to stick or definitely should stick. And I can't say that about Coleman. So I'm going to go with those three. Agree. I, if we're going to d- apply the same logic as Cager, it makes sense to keep Coleman off for now. Uh, if we wind up with 52 at the end with our numbers, uh, and we're, we need to come back to tight end. We'll go right back to this discussion. Exactly. But, uh, I think we're we're comfortable with three right now. I think so too. All right. That rounds out the offense. If I'm not mistaken, I think we have Wesco included as the de facto fullback right now. Uh, As we were discussing before recording Matt, and for the people listening, I would say that we both agree as a position to keep an eye on after the waiver wire. And that this could be a position if a solid fullback were to hit the uh, open market. I think the Jets could pounce because the 21 and 22 personnel run sets with that fullback in the lineup are really crucial to this offensive scheme. They're some of the best runs in the playbook come from those sets. And if you don't have a good enough fullback to run them, they basically don't work at all. So I, I would keep an eye on fullback. I don't think that position is done, but I think we both agree Wesco is the for now expected starter even though he's had a rough preseason. And that's why I think it's smart to look ahead to the waiver wire and see what might be added. Matt, let's go ahead and run through this defensive line. We'll start with the defensive ends. I'll let you go through your list first, and then we can compare. All right. So at the top, we got Carl Lawson, 
We have Michael Clemens. We have JJ. Uh, I have uh, Jacob Martin. I have Bryce Huff and Bradley and I. Uh, I included uh, Franklin Myers uh, as an interior defender uh, for this conversation, at least. Uh, so that would be six guys. Uh, that's a lot right there. They have so much talent at this position that it's it's really hard to to dwindle it down. Uh, who, who's not making it? The, the, I think I, I didn't count uh, Zuniga. Um, mm-hmm. Is there somebody I'm missing? Who did I who did I leave out here? Zuniga, you left out. Uh, you had Martin. You had a Nye. Have Huff. Um, Hamiclear Rashad's not still on the roster, is he? I. I'm not sure. He might have been cut in the first round, but if if he hasn't, I don't see him making it. Uh, yeah. So I I can't imagine them keeping seven edge defenders alone, no. uh, unless you're counting Franklin Myers as one. But that's uh, that's that's a lot. Uh, I know they like to rotate, but to rotate through that many edge defenders is it, it's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, seven is definitely going to be too many. Uh, We are very, very close. You actually have one more total defensive lineman, including defensive tackles than me. Uh, I have 10. You have 11. You have six defensive ends. I have five. The only difference is that I left out Bradley and I. And it was Mm. a tough call. He's had a great preseason. I was really high on him when he was coming out of Utah. So personally, I would love to see him work out. Uh, But I just think it might be a little more of You know, he did really good in the game. We haven't heard too much about him going through camp. And I think the unsung hero of this group that we've barely seen is Jacob Martin. And I really think that Jacob Martin is going to fill in a lot more time at defensive end than we're expecting. I'm not sure if we're going to need six of them. I could definitely see an eye making it as the sixth. And if he does, I'm not going to be upset about it at all. But counting what they need for their defensive line, and I know they want to rotate and keep guys fresh, I think they can do it with 10. I don't know if they need 11. So I'm going to go with the five. And that five is going to be Carl Lawson, Tremaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, Bryce Huff, and Jacob Martin. Okay. I don't know. I just like symmetry. Uh, I see three power rushers with Lawson, Clemens, and Johnson. And then you have three speed guys with Martin, Huff, and Anai. Uh, but that's just me. Uh and then, yeah, I, I think we need to look at the interior defensive line guys as well, uh, just to see what the whole unit would look like in order to get a full picture. Because uh, then maybe if we decide what the interior looks like, it will kind of uh, determine what we think about the edges. As I well. think that makes sense. I think it really makes sense to view this defensive line as a whole and not just defensive end or defensive tackle, because the combinations of how these guys are going to play together is also really important. Yeah. And a lot of these guys are going to be playing both positions. So it, it, you're going to have, we've already seen how much Clemens is lined up inside. We know JFM is going to be an inside outside guy. I could s- expect to see a little bit of that from Solomon Thomas, even though they've kind of hinted that he's mainly going to be a three tech. I could see him getting out into some five techniques or some six techniques every now and again. So these guys are going to be multiple. So yeah, I agree doing that as a whole. Um, my five interior guys are going to be Quinnen Williams, John Franklin Myers, Solomon Thomas, Jonathan Marshall, and Sheldon Rankins. And going off what I can see from your um, list here, the only difference you have is Tanzel Smart Smart. over Jonathan Marshall. Yeah, I I just love his explosion and his violence. Uh, I feel like I've seen him flash just a little bit more than Marshall, 
Uh, Marshall did have that great series where he made two plays right in a, uh, in a row. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I haven't really seen Marshall that much. Uh, Smart, I've seen Flash just a little bit more consistently. Uh, he has at, at times also faded away. Uh, so the, the, both of those guys, I think, are kind of uh, at the bottom of the list for sure. And this was just based off of who I've seen Flash more, I think. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. Just going off preseason, I would say that Smart has definitely made more of an impact than Marshall has. But like we were just saying, the collection of the defensive line and really viewing this as a whole and how guys are going to fit in together, Tanzel Smart's another undersized, quick penetrator. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of that on the interior of their defensive line. They really don't have many of the hold-your-own be stout, play more of a, a, a one technique, or the Jets really won't use too much of a true zero. But even in a, a, a two or a two I, be that sort of anchor on the interior that isn't just the penetrator, get up field, cause havoc guy. We You can still do some of that, but you still need to be able to hold your ground and not get blown off the ball. That's where Jonathan Marshall fits in for me. That I think he fits that role better than really anybody else outside of Quinn and Williams in this group. Yeah. And if you're looking at guys that can fill a similar role. I can have Clemens play three tech. I can have JFM play three tech. I can have Solomon Thomas play three tech. I can have Rankins play three tech. I can't have Clemens or JFM play two. I I can't have Clemens or JFM play one tech. So that to me is where I think Marshall has a little bit of value. And especially for goal line sets, I'd rather have that extra beef for goal line short yardage. It's a tough call. And if we end up walking out of here with with Tanzel Smart as the fifth interior guy, I'm not going to be upset about it. But if I'm looking at the group as a whole, I think Marshall makes more sense. All right. How about this? Since we were talking about edge defenders, and I I was saying how I think seven is too many, I kind of left uh, Franklin Myers off that list. Uh, but at the same time, he will be playing outside as well. So I he can will. see Anai not making it. So why don't we take Anai off the board and then put Marshall and Smart back on? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that because I still think that Smart can have value. And I still think that he's played well enough to to earn a spot and continue to grow. But I do think that there is something to Marshall's role. So, yeah, I'm on board with that. I'm on board. Now he's going to get picked up by another team, and he deserves to, and good he for does. him. Yeah. But this is, like we're talking about, these are tough calls now. It is There's no it is easy. Not, easy. not at all. Not in the slightest. Okay. So that, if I have this correct, is going to be 11 defensive linemen, and that is going to be Carl Lawson, Michael Clemens, Jermaine Johnson, Jacob Martin, Bryce Huff, John Franklin Myers, Quinnen Williams, Sheldon Rankins, Sol- Solomon Thomas, Tanzel Smart, and Jonathan Marshall. Yep. All right, that brings us, what's our total after the defensive line? Uh, So let's see, that would be 36. 36, all right, we're already basically two-thirds of the way through the roster, and we haven't gotten to linebacker, secondary, or special teams yet. So we got some tough decisions ahead. Let's move right along. Go ahead and break down your linebackers, Matt. I don't think we're going to have too much difference here. Yeah, um, I don't think we have uh, enough roster spots to go beyond five linebackers. Uh, and from these four guys, I think we've seen enough to be comfortable with these four guys. Uh, if we need to, maybe we'll stash some guys on the practice squad. Uh, but right now I have CJ Mosley, Quincy Williams, Quan Alexander, and Jamie and Sherwood. Uh, Hamzer Nazaldine did not make the cut. Uh, I like him as the developmental guy, but he just hasn't made uh, the strides that we saw Sherwood make. Uh, so 
I just don't think that this team can afford uh, to really spend a roster spot on a guy like him, uh, not with this much talent. Yeah, I don't think so either. And we were slightly different. I had five on my list, the same four that you had, and then Delshawn Phillips is the fifth. But as we've gone through this, we had one more defensive lineman in our official picks than I had in my picks. I'm going to go ahead and cross off Phillips from my own list. And since we had that extra defensive lineman, I'm not even going to make an argument to keep five linebackers because you're right. Those top four, I think we've seen more out of them than anybody else. And I'm not sure we're going to need more than that in terms of active roster. I'm not sure who else is going to really help us. I'm not sure what having any of that fifth linebacker on the 53 is really going to do for us to make that big of a difference. And I'm not sure that this is a a fear where some guys you would really like to keep on and keep developing. I'm not sure there's a huge fear that those guys are going to get claimed right away. And I think there's a good chance some of them make the practice squad. So we're in agreement. I think the four linebackers will be CJ Mosley, Quincy Williams, Quan Alexander, and Jamie and Sherwood is the four. Perfect. Yep. And that brings us to 40. That brings us to 40. All right. Corners. I'm going to go ahead and lead off with my corner list here. I have five cornerbacks total. I have DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner, obviously. I have Michael Carter, the second, rounding out things in the slot. And then the final two being Brandon Eccles and Bryce Hall. I think you're going to see some competition to see who might be the primary backup uh, in the slot. I wouldn't be shocked to see them keep six and have Javelin Gidry be the sixth uh, and Michael Carter's primary backup in the slot. But I do think. They like what they've seen out of Eccles. I think they liked what they saw at a hall last year, albeit, you know, a a rough game. And we saw the additions they made at corner. I don't think they're ready to completely cast him off. I think they'll like him as a depth piece. I don't think he's going to get outright cut. And I'm going to sit here and say that I think in the end of the day, it's going to be five corners. I wouldn't be shocked if it's six at all, but I'm going to put my, my money down for five. See, here's the thing. I don't see it as keeping Hardy. Right. And, no. Because of that, I think we need a replacement for him. And one of the, the standouts on special teams that I've seen besides Hardy is Gidry. And he offers more than just a, a backup slot. We've seen him play outside as well. Although he hasn't looked as comfortable as he does in the slot, he was able to hold his own a little bit. Uh, so I like his utility at, on as a, a cornerback and on special. So I, I just... I don't know who else they would really trust uh, to back up Carter as the as the number two slot uh, cornerback. Uh, so that's why I keep Gidry. I'm not I'm not against keeping Gidry at all. I, I I think where we are with how our rosters were constructed individually, it was tough for me to leave him out. But I'm I'm not upset about it. And with it being such a passing league, you can never have too many good corners. Uh, or even, you know, somewhat good corners. So if you want to put Gidry down on our official list and we roll with six, I'm perfectly fine with that. Well, how about this? Why don't don't we move on to the safeties? Uh, And if we come away wanting only four safeties, then let's keep Gidry. If you want, if we want to keep five I only want four safeties. I don't know about you. All right. So then uh, that kind of, that that settled. Unless, all right. So let's, let's do this. Since we, what are our four safeties that you like? Uh, LaMarcus Joyner, Jordan Whitehead, Will Parks, and Ashton Davis. Yeah, and I like that's the same Parks and Whitehead, but those are the four. So let's do this. We have Gidry. We have uh, Pinnock. We yeah. have uh, Coleman. And we have Cager as, uh, as the guys that, were, that are the true bubble guys for us. Right. 
So let's make a case. So wait, that 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 leaves a spot for one of them. Yep. That Who's the guy that's most valuable? Four safeties valuable? and five corners. I think it's Gidry. I think it's Gidry too. I think he just offers that much on special teams, uh, and being probably the most uh, comfortable as the backup slot. I, I I agree. I think it is Gidry. And I think he's the only one of those four that is a primary backup. Yeah. Where they're an immediate number two, where you could have Eccles or Hall play in the slot and they could back up Carter the second, but they really don't have as much experience there. Gidry did that all of last year. He started in the slot for a lot of games the year before that. He's been practicing as the primary slot again this season. He's that he has the experience there. And I think if he would be on the roster, he would be the backup slot corner. So I, yeah, I think we're in agreement. I think he does too much for the defense, too much on special teams. And the other guys ahead of him have redundant skill sets with other players that we already have on the roster. Yeah, I agree. And really quick, because I'm sure people are going to question this. And I know we're going to have to get into this before we get the questions. Why we chose Ashton Davis over Jason Pinnock. Yes. <laughs> and, and because we both did. And neither of us were, were making an argument for Pinnock to stick on the roster. And I've liked what I've seen from Pinnock and Spurts. I'm just worried that the transition to safety for him is a little difficult because I think he's really a lot better when he's able to keep things in front of him and come downhill and not so much as the center center fields player going backwards. When he's driving on balls over the middle, he looks really good when he's able to, when he's having to play man to man and cover down the field, it doesn't look as good. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to how that is going to continue to develop. I know he's had a transition from another position and that makes things hard, but call me crazy, Matt. Ashton Davis got better this offseason. Uh, his, his angles running to the ball have improved at the very least. I can say I've seen him, even if he doesn't necessarily finish the tackle, he's getting to the ball quick. He's making hits. He's stopping people in their tracks and then letting other people come in and clean up. He's not overrunning plays nearly as much. I've seen him come downhill with authority more than I've seen before. I've seen him be close to being sticky in coverage, make some plays on the ball in the air. I'm not saying that this is going to be a future for him or that I'm expecting him to, to take over and find a starting role by the end of the season, but I think he has done enough and improved enough to stick as the safety four over Pinnock right now. Yeah, maybe uh, this is hard. Uh, it, it's I I like Pinnock it was a hard. lot. It was hard, and Davis has just been so streaky. I I would have loved to see some a little bit more consistency from Davis. He has flashed, but that's kind of what has been his mo this entire time: flashing here and then making mistakes there. So it's it's very difficult. I just think that. It comes down to who has uh, the ability to maybe make it to the practice squad. And I think Pinnock has a little bit more than Davis. I think Davis would get picked up uh, pretty quickly. Uh, he just has so much potential uh, with his physical ability. Uh, I, I, that's that's my, the reason why I wanted to keep him over Pinnock. And quite honestly, this may be a little overvalued or overrated by NFL coaches, but NFL coaches love guys that have starting experience. And Davis does. Yeah. It's Pinnock does not have any starting experience as a safety or a corner. And and Ashton Davis has had plenty of games under his belt as a starter. Whether he was good in those games or not, 
from the coach's perspective, he was a starter. He had to prepare as a starter. He had to play a full game as a starter. He's gone through the week as a starter. And he has that game experience when the lights are on. And that matters to them a lot. Even if they didn't necessarily play well, they have the experience of starting. And I think that's what's going to seal Davis on the roster as the safety four at the end of the day. Really? Pinock didn't start at all at the end of last year? I don't remember him having any starts. Maybe one, but it was... I really he played he had some you know spots coming in and playing in reserve but I don't remember him ever outright starting let's see I mean I could um, be wrong but that's if and if he did start I don't think it was any more than a game or two let's see I'm looking at the Tampa Bay game he didn't start that game uh but Will Park started alongside Riley uh but Parks only had nine snaps and then Pinnock had 50 yeah okay so yeah he had starting level starting reps starting reps but uh, i i guess maybe he didn't actually technically start the game and even still one game is less than the multiple games over the course of a whole season that davis Davis has had in multiple orders so yeah it it wouldn't it's still going to outweigh him experience wise and for those not keeping track we have three spots to fill in even though we're acting like we only had one well that goes to special teams And special teams matters. So we got our kicker, our punter, and our long snapper. We are pretty much in agreement there because the roles have already been filled. We don't got to make any decisions here. Greg Zerline has won the kicking job. He is going to be the kicker. Braden Mann has won the punting job over Thomas Thomas Hennessy. Or uh, not Thomas Hennessy, Thomas Morstead. Thomas Hennessy has won the long snapper position and had it for years now. He's got that held down. I was going to say I got tripped up because I was thinking, I don't know why they kept Braden Mann over Thomas Morstead. Yeah, that, that's another thing. Uh, I was, as we were saying this, I'm like, you know, I don't really like Braden Mann that much. Uh, I, I feel like we could have gone with Morstead and been better. I wonder if this is also another position that maybe they like somebody uh, after cutdowns that uh, maybe jumps out at them as somebody that could maybe be a little bit better than Mann. I think that is definitely a possibility. I think the main areas we're going to see the focus on in roster cutdowns are going to be special teams in any capacity and fullback. Mm -hmm. We're going to be looking for a a solid fullback. I think the kicking spot, I think Zerline pretty much has that sorted out, but I definitely think it's going to be potential, some competition at punter. I think they're going to be looking for replacements for Hardy as special teams contributors, as gunners or as on special teams in general. And I really think that's going to be where the focus is. I think they're the core of their roster and their main contributors. They have that figured out. They're not looking for, for Braxton Barrios this year. I think they're looking for the final missing pieces to really kind of round out their roster and put a bow on things. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, that does it for our final 53, Matt, why don't you go ahead and start at the top and we can go through this whole roster. All right, let's do it. So at quarterback, we have three. Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, and Mike White. Then at the tackles, we have Dwayne Brown, George Fant, Max Mitchell, and Chuma Adoga. That's seven. Uh, then at the guards, uh, we have Elijah Vera Tucker, Lincoln Tomlinson, and Nate Herbig. Now we're at 10. Uh, then we go to the center position where we have Connor McGovern and Dan Feeney. We're at 12 now. And then we go to wide receiver. We have Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Garrett Wilson. Braxton Berrios, Denzel Mims, and Galvin Jackson. At uh, tight end, oh, that's 18 players now. At uh, tight end, we have CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin, Jeremy Rucker, and Trevon Wesco at, as our fullback for now. 
That's 22. Running back, we have Michael Carter, Brees Hall, and Bam Knight. And that's 25 for the total offense. Uh, who do you have on defense? On defense, we got quite the squad here. We are going to have Carl Lawson, Quinnen Williams, John Franklin Myers, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, Solomon Thomas, Jonathan Marshall, Bryce Huff, Sheldon Rankins, and Jacob Martin as the defensive linemen. Linebackers, we're keeping four. We got CJ Mosley, Quincy Williams, Quan Alexander, and Jamie and Sherwood. We're rounding out with six corners, being DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, Michael Carter II, Brandon Eccles, Bryce Hall, and Javelin Gidry. Our four safeties will be LaMarcus Joyner, Jordan Whitehead, Will Parks, and Ashton Davis. And our special teamers will be Greg Zerline at kicker, Braden Mann at punter, and Thomas Hennessy is the long snapper. Once again, as of 4.30 p.m. on Tuesday, this will change after that. Of course, yes. Always does. Always does. Well, Matt, that does it for the preseason. We can officially put a, a final bow on things as the Jets put a bow on their roster with the last bit of wa- waiver cuts and everything else before the season starts. We are two weeks away from week one. They're going to have the Baltimore Ravens in town. It is going to be a hell of a matchup. I am not looking forward to playing the Ravens week one. It is going to be an ugly, violent, physical slugfest of a game in September, and it's going to be a lot of fun, but it's definitely going to be a tough matchup. Overall, I would say this was a successful preseason. You go undefeated. You can't really ask for much more than that. We've seen improvement from most of the areas we were hoping for. Still some concerns we got to iron out. But overall, I'm not saying the ship is burning. I'm not going into the 2022 season uh, as we get ready to start with any sort of fear or doubts or or dread or despair as I've had in other years. I'm very much confident that we're going to see improvement. The Jets will be better in 2022 than they were in 2021. That I can say with confidence. Yep. It's all a matter of how much better. That's it. How much better. And that's what we are going to be waiting to be seen over these next handful of weeks before the season starts. But I think that does it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Got a whole bunch of content from us in the last couple of days. So make sure you guys are sticking around and enjoy it. Only going to keep going as the season continues on. Matt, you know what to do. Uh, Matt, you could find me at Zazzy Jets. And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. You can also follow the show at OKD podcast. Thank you guys again so much for listening. And we will be back real soon to look ahead to the roster after the cutdowns have been made and we can officially start preparing for Baltimore week one. Thank you guys again. Bye-bye.